Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard, and you're joining us on November 16th, 2022. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Neil? It's been a day, Lance. It's been a day. The weather is uh, frightful, and inside the house is not so delightful. It's been uh, it's been crazy top to bottom, but I'm excited to be here. This is uh, This is the time of the day. <clears throat> the day of the week that I love. It's great to be here with you. I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. I thought you were going to break into those lyrics. I honestly didn't remember them. I choked for a second. Did I get them right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah. You know, you know. I don't get lyrics right. Cliches. I'm not going to crush pub quiz trivia on holiday song lyrics. I'm I'm not going to do well with that. Not at all. But welcome, listeners to the program Sunday is going to be an exciting game against the Cincinnati Bengals for a multitude of reasons but number one for the fact that the Steelers will be wearing the color rush jerseys this Sunday and it'll be awesome to see that guy in the background George Pickens King George in color rush we'll see if King George could uh do it justice but if you want to join the experience make sure you go to YouTube and do a search for the new standard and Lance Williams or Neil Kolong, and make sure you like and subscribe to the program. Also, you can check us out via podcast feeder, uh, and just, I, I, I guess people use Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, and do a search for Steelers and the new standard. I wanted to jump into, before we break down the uh, Bengals Steeler game, hopefully with Chris Rowling of Bengals Wire, I want to jump into the, the main topic of this show. We kind of discussed it a little bit. What's up, Big Mel? What's up, Ennis? What's up, Robert? Will the Steelers go on a run? We talked about it briefly. And I wanted to dissect it a little bit more and break it down into a couple of numbers. I know I reached out to you yesterday and to see if you had two offensive stats that may interfere with the Steelers possibly going on a winning run? I think that the primary one, and it's impossible to avoid, is as simple as it is. It, it's, it's simply the fact that the team is averaging, I'm looking for the official total right now, 15.6 points a game, which uh, they, enabled them to leapfrog the juggernaut Denver Broncos for second to last in the NFL. And that was after a 20-point outpouring against the saints last week plain and simple you're you're going to find the the bottom of the league uh at the bottom of the point scored totals i mean and and the steelers are not a team um that actively is capable of explosive plays which are paramount inside of a, a big time scoring offense whether that's by design whether it's by execution whether it's by talent I'd argue it's all of those things. It doesn't seem like this is a team that, that is going to be capable of breaking into that style of offense. If that's the case, you're asking your defense to do a, a, a pretty incredible amount. I will say the presence of TJ Watt uh, certainly had a massive impact on the game last week. Maybe that's enough to help them out in, in closer games, which they've lost uh, by and large so far this season. They look really good against New Orleans. I know that it's New Orleans. Um, there's some reason for optimism, but if, if we're talking 
Jim Mora's playoffs here, if we're talking a playoff run, they're going to have to average something like 27 points a game over their next eight games. And I just, there's no way I see that happening or they're going to have to get lights out defensive performances um, pretty much every week. And I, I don't know if really any team in today's NFL is capable of doing that. We'll see how they do it. This is what they built themselves to do. Um, somebody made a comment last week and I would add this uh, into stats, but the Steelers built themselves to be a, a defensive team that uh, will take the ball away, not turn it over and be able to run well up until week 10 against new Orleans. They didn't protect the ball well, and they didn't run the ball very well with TJ Watt out. They didn't play great defense consistently. When you're not doing any of those things, you're probably going to be two and six with one of those being a complete fluke win. Um, as we lead into the revenge game against Cincinnati, I, I don't know how many games you're going to win if you if what you are building yourself to do isn't working. But it looks like they got on some track to that this week. Um, the second stat would be the fact that Kenny Pickett did not turn the ball over uh, last week in the victory. I think there is a direct correlation between Pickett's ability to protect the ball along with making plays like he did. Um, I'm not faulting Najee Harris for this, but Kenny Pickett put a dime on him in the end zone. Just a picture-perfect pass. Great throw. Harris isn't exactly paid to make that kind of a play. If it was Deontay Johnson, I might say you really need to come up with that. But we're not results-based thinkers, Lance. We're going to look simply at the execution. Kenny Pickett threw a beautiful pass on that. Great job. He threw another one to Deontay down the field, down the right side, that Johnson made a great play on. Big-time play for him. He took more advantage in this game of uh, the the big play opportunities that were afforded to him. And they're going to need to continue to do that. And on top of that, he's going to have to play um, above a rookie. He's still a rookie. I know that he's played now. He's got experience. He'll continue to build, and you have to be happy with what we saw last week. Can he string a couple of these games together? That's really going to be the key thing. And he's got to protect the football while making plays. That's interesting that you talked about points per game because it 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 ultimately uh, at times when we try to make this complex, um, it comes down to the nitty gritty. And the nitty gritty is this is a game where the team that scores more points wins the game and not to be uh, uh, what was it? Herb. Who, who said we you play to win the game? That's that's Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. Okay. One of the greatest quotes of all time. <laughs> not not to be overly Herm. I love Herm. Uh well, you know, Herm coaches, <laughs> you know, uh, Arizona State. So can work out so well there. Uh, so but I mean it's well, ultimately so. when you're scoring 15 a game, it, it's very hard to win. And we've talked about it several times on this show is that you have to establish certain level point differential to win games consistently. Really good teams do it around seven points or more. Uh, average teams definitely do it below that, but bad teams have no margin for error and no point differential, and that's what the Steelers are. I don't know if they're a bad team. I know they're an inconsistent team. Um, and the issue with turnovers um, is critical. I mean, when you score 15.6 points per game, you can't give teams extra possessions. You need extra possessions. You know, if you're averaging about 12 possessions a game, 
anywhere between 12 to 13. They probably need about 15 possessions a game. So they absolutely have to take the ball away. And because they score so few points, they get they can't give other teams opportunities and, and additional drives to score. So I think those two stats um, are, are spot on. Here's something I saw. You know, we were talking about we were going to look into the game and see how Kenny Pickett performed and see if he was seeing the field. One thing I would like to add to what you said, and it's not necessarily a stat, or or I'm sure they can quantify it. I wonder if there would be a stat called big plays missed, uh, BPM. Uh, well, that's for well, maybe we can coin that. I know BPM is a stat for uh, beats per minute in terms of an album or songs, but BPMs. I'm gonna give you an example of a BPM, a big play missed, and maybe if Kenny could hit some of those, it would definitely alter this points per game score. That's usually the difference, in, in my opinion. Today's offense, it, it's you have the, the, the real high-end dudes, guys with incredible arm talent um, and, and weapons around them. I'm thinking of a Justin Herbert. They haven't quite unlocked fully yet the ability that that kid has. He's going to have more of those opportunities in a game. Um, and, and with that, probably a, a proportionate um, um, percentage of them going his way. But the fact that there are more of them is really what the issue is. And it comes down to your desire to try to make those plays. In, if, if we were to enact the BPM stat, I think what we would find, depending on how we want to define it, I mean, if, if the quarterback releases the ball, I think that's one thing. If the quarterback didn't release the ball, I think that's something else. I think they're, they're two very telling stats in that way. And you put them side by side, I think you're going to see um, it, it, the the – probably the most successful offenses are going to have a pretty close relation to each other in those two areas with Pickett, I felt him not releasing the ball was more of the issue last week. I felt he did that a little bit more, maybe not a ton, but a little bit more. It's just interesting that they're doing it uh, without the guy who should have been their, their big play target. Um, they are capable of getting Kenny Pickett or, Wow, I'm going to keep doing this. This I, I've got a it's serious mental block on this. George Pickens involved uh, down the field. I think they can get him uh, some deeper targets when he rounds out his full game a little bit more. Um, these things will build. They'll improve. But it, it's going to come to a point where Pickett is going to have to release the ball. He's going to have to try to make those plays. And unfortunately, um, when he did, you know, early on in his ten in, in his tenure, it, it kind of resulted in turnovers pretty frequently. But um, he, he's he's got to get sharper, and he's got to be able to make bigger plays. He's got to put his guys in position to make plays. I felt he did a good job of that against New Orleans. I think they could do more of it. Um, granted, you're running that well, you have that much possession, you run that many plays, um, it, you're you're probably going to be able to look down the field a little bit more. But let's keep in mind this is probably a, a, a twenty point win. Um, if the Steelers have a kicker, you know, the, the poor Matthew Wright, I, I thought anyway, and I said on this show that his career was over. Nope, he's coming back. He's going to he's going to kick again <laughs> at Heinz Field this week. Um, get your popcorn ready. It, it should be an offense that really set a statistical standard last week. And I think that is because they increased both their opportunities, which is they, they saw something down the field that was there 
and their execution. They actually went for it. They completed it, and it worked out. They, they didn't turn the ball over doing it. it the, the stat is valid for this team, and it is going to be critical uh, if they want to string wins together. If they, as, as Mike Tomlin would say, if they want to stack wins, they're going to have to, to execute on a lot more uh, than, than they have been to this point. And I know I, I sent you a message. I don't know if I sent you the message yesterday. It was funny when I was looking at the All-22, and it's interesting that you talk about him not throwing the ball, him being Kenny Pickett, uh, Peter Piper picked a pick of pickled <laughs> peppers. How many would get, well, you know, Peter Piper. something and put it on pick, the screen. Yeah. I, I well, you know, what's wrong the first me. play of the game <laughs> illustrated that. If you guys – are interested in it, go look at the all 22 on the first play of the game. Deontay Johnson is open for a touchdown on a go route. He, he, he runs at least two and a half, three yards past the corner. If he just looks in that direction and throws the football, it's seven, nothing first play of the game. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see and what the staff would say how many opportunities they've had like that where it was schemed up correctly they got the right coverage it was the right call and he doesn't pull the trigger so there are some plays out there to be made and so this 15.6 points per game is going to be directly impacted by whether he will make those throws and that's part of the maturation of a young quarterback on the defensive end i'm going to give you two stats that flow, I think, perfectly symbiotically with what you're illustrating, Neil. The lack of big plays on the offensive end and the points per game being 15.6. The Steelers as a defense are last in yards per completion, averaging, I'm just going to round it up to 12 yards of completion. What that tells you is they're giving up a bunch of big plays in the passing game. And I don't know how much they're giving up. I, I, I would surmise that they're probably giving up close to 25 a game, 25, 26 a game. If anybody has that number out there. flat a game. 23? Yep. And that's coming off a game they just gave up 10. So that, that we're not far from your number. So they're down a touchdown on average. Uh, you know, an absolute, which means that's not sustainable to go on a run. And part of that is because – you're giving up 11.9 a completion. Now, some of that is due to T.J. Watt being out, the the pass rush being negatively impacted by his absence, Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick being in and out of the lineup, the corners being in and out of the lineup, Akella Witherspoon uh, not really playing for a majority of the season. And when he came back, he got absolutely toasted by Philadelphia, and you really haven't seen him again. And so there's been some up and down play with the secondary. The pass rush has been inconsistent, but it'll be awfully hard, especially going into a game against the Bengals. Although, and correct me if I'm wrong, if they don't, if Jamal Chase is playing, I think he's still out, correct? He's out. He's out. Another two weeks, I think. Even with Chase out, this still is an offense that will take the big play against you if you, if they catch you in the right coverage. Joe Burrow is not bashful or shy in terms of trying to throw the ball down the football field. So the yards per completion number, the Steelers are giving up 12 yards of completion, which is dead last in the national football. It's pretty bad. And that, that, that's, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's almost, 
that's a first that's almost two first downs a throw I mean, let's, let's keep in mind too that stat would not reflect overall defensive performance but put that stat next to uh the 17 sacks that they've gotten in nine games you you're seeing a, a pretty significant um advantage going to the opponent when it comes to splash plays uh made and versus pittsburgh's defense so it's not as if the defense is helping out what is quite obviously a, a sagging offense they're getting big plays. Pittsburgh is not. That's really what this comes down to. And, and you see it on both sides of the ball, just like you illustrated. I mean, and until that improves, it's going to be pretty tough. The other stat that couples with the yards per completion is the yards per attempt. I mean, they're 28th. I mean, in 7.3 yards per attempt. So teams clearly are looking at the film, these stats, and saying, we can get at these boys. There are some big plays to be made. And because the pass rush is inconsistent, when you talked about the 17 sacks, because the pass rush is inconsistent without TJ Watt, they're like, we're going to take our chances as well. Like, uh, like they're giving them up and we're going to take our chances and they're not going to turn us over. And they got a rookie. So everything is kind of trending in a way in which, they're setting up the perfect, I don't know if it's the perfect meal or the perfect timing, the perfect, perfect, where they're not explosive. They give up explosives. They're not turning it over. And so it's a perfect recipe for disaster for you to lose games. And so with all that being said, that's why I asked, Neil, will the Steelers go on a run? Because... First of all, what do you consider a run? Is a run two in a row? Is it three in a row? Four wins? If it matters, I mean, I, I think three is probably a fair number to say that you really put things together. I think you can get two um, with the combination of poor opponents, back to back home games, and you know the, the ball bouncing your way the right way a couple times. Uh, three, I, I don't think that's luck. I don't think you can fluke your way into three wins at the NFL level. Um, if, if I want to point this out and I'm, I'm, I don't remember where I wrote this down, but it's a manual stat. I know Chris Adamski of the, the Tribune review is big on this as well. I believe Mike Tomlin Steelers team have won, have gone on a four game winning streak in all of like the last 10 seasons or something like that. Um, he preaches stacking wins for this reason. He gets teams together and gives them the opportunity uh, to have that kind of success. And I, I think, um, well, I, I don't know if this team has the ability to do that, but I know we've seen it plenty often. We've seen them have bad numbers like this, maybe not quite as bad, but everything we just put together, Lance, all of that stuff together collectively, they're three and six. You'd think that'd be a lot worse. Now, I'm going to say flat out, as I have said all season, that win against Cincinnati week one was as flukish as you're ever going to see. That was just nonsense. It's a win. It's great, but it wasn't really, it, it shouldn't have happened. It just shouldn't have. Um, you, you can't get plus five and takeaways and need overtime and a, an injured long snapper and three botched kick attempts from your opponent uh, to win a game and, and feel great about it. It just shouldn't have happened. If, if we, I don't want to say take it out because that's not fair, but it, even, you know, it, even if they're two and six right now, even if they're two and seven, if you want to call it that, 
it still feels a lot worse than that. So it kind of makes you wonder, are they able to swing this? Are they gonna uh, put something together like we saw last week where they're not making mistakes. They hit on a couple big plays. Um, they get a great game from, in case you guys didn't see it, AFC defensive player of the week for the first time in his NFL career, Alex Highsmith. If you put those things together, can you stack three wins in a row? And if you do that, you typically aren't going to be drafting in the top 10. You know, it, it just seems like there's a correlation between teams that can put those wins together, go on a little mini streak, which again, I think is three games. I wonder if the Steelers are capable of doing that, considering how rough their first half schedule was. And with the landmines of uh, the Ravens worked in there, two games against the Ravens. And if you want to count this, uh, theoretically, a Deshaun Watson-led Browns team at, at this point, along with this game against Cincinnati, are they able to win three in a row, four in a row? Is that possible? Where would they be if they are able to do that? I don't know, but I know this. If they do, it's going to be because of splash plays. And they're going to make them on defense, and they're going to be able to prevent them a little bit better defensively when you have a better pass rush in there. Uh, will that happen? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to have to find out, but that's what they're up against. Now, it's funny you said two things that I took away from that when it comes to stacking wins. One, that you thought that stacking wins was three, which was an interesting number. Uh, but the other two things you said was a poor opposition and back-to-back home games and being able to win back-to-back home games. And it's interesting that you say that because this would be the back half of their back-to-back home games. And by the way, this game has been flexed to 1.25 p.m. Pacific time. Please do not forget um, that. So the game has been flexed. Make sure you check that out. It is at Acrisure. And so this is the back half. So if they could get this win against Cincinnati, a division opponent, this back-to-back win, all of a sudden, that other criteria that you're talking about, poor opposition, presents itself when they get to travel to Indianapolis and play the Indianapolis Fridays. And then they would travel to Atlanta to play the Falcons, which is another, not a great team, not a bad team, an average team. And so quite possibly you get this win against Cincinnati. Maybe you can go beat the Indianapolis Fridays, then beat Atlanta. All of a sudden, You've stacked four wins together. And so when you get to that back half of the schedule, when you play Baltimore, Carolina, Vegas, Baltimore, Cleveland, maybe you lose the Baltimore game and you win the Carolina-Vegas game because Vegas is a mess. Carolina is a mess. So I think this game, in terms of talking about stacking wins and will they go on a run, is really critical because I could see them winning four in a row if they're able to win this game on Sunday, which will be key. So it, it's 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 going to be interesting. And I think, and when we talk about this game, you know, the big name that comes up, and we talked about it a little bit, uh, was Jamal Chase. And having a chaseless Bengals squad. And... How much does that impact this game, in your opinion? And we, we've seen that the Bengals have still had some issues with their pass protection. We know that this first game was really about the Steelers getting 
tons of pressure on the Bengals and turning the Bengals over. What, what's your thought about this Bengals offense and um, what it's looked like um, since Jamal Chase has been out? It's Jamar Chase, first off. Um, I tried to correct you the first time, and you just kept doing it over and over. Um, I, it, Me personally, I think Jamar Chase is one of the five best wide receivers in the game. I think he's one of the 10 best offensive players in the game. Uh, his absence is significant in any way. Um, Joe Burrow is an excellent quarterback. He's coming into his own. He's going to eventually uh, prize uh, protection, probably above anything else. Right now, he doesn't do that. I think Chase's ability, especially down the field, might play into that kind of Superman bravado that he has a little bit. Um, he's basically he wants to play the game like Roethlisberger drop seven and, and just wait, you know, protection be damned. It doesn't matter. I'll get rid of the ball when I have to, if I get sacked, I get sacked. It's not a real good attitude to have week in and week out, you know, for one play. Yes. You can, you can make hay with that, but um, it, it's going to get the offense stalled out in a game probably more often than, than you're going to make big plays with it without him in there. Um, if, if that makes him a little bit, if, if it makes him more aware of his mortality, I think that's probably a good thing. Uh, it's not a great protection unit. And Burrow, I think, doesn't get enough criticism in that regard. It, it, a lot of it is up to him. It, to, to put it into context, um, Mike Tomlin addressed this, this concept uh, just yesterday at his presser. They're talking about the lack of protection for, for Pickett. Yeah, I saw that. He, he stopped it short at the front of that and said, sometimes it's on Kenny. Just to point out, this is Kenny doing rookie things as well. It's not about your offensive line entirely. It, it really isn't. There are a lot of things that come into pass protection, okay? If your quarterback doesn't deliver the ball, then, yeah, he's going to get sacked. I mean, there's not you can't protect the guy forever. It's not going to happen. Um, it, pick it aside. Burrow hangs on to the ball probably longer than, than he should. And a lot of it is he wants to make the big play. He's, he's gutty. I, I like that side of him. He's got to tone it in. He's got to rein it in a little bit. With Chase in there, I wonder if it doesn't give him more reason to, to don the Superman cape and try to make the big play down the field all the time. And they've certainly got away with that. I mean, Chase is an absolutely phenomenal player, phenomenal talent. Uh, you want to get him the ball in, in whatever situation that you can. Without him in there, though, I wonder if they don't, have incentive to tone things down try to protect a little bit more to put it into context though it's absolutely not a coincidence that joe mixon's numbers have gone through the roof since chase went down mixon you know i, I don't know what the deal has been but mixon doesn't get a whole lot of focus in that offense and he hasn't he's a good player you remember we're talking week one going into that game we both saw joe mixon as, as the guy that was really going to have a big game um they bottled him i when I recall, am I wrong? I, I think they bottled him up fairly well uh, yeah, back in week well, one. <clears throat> they will uh, be able to use a lot of weapons on that team, uh, protection or not. But they, they, they have the talent to overcome those kinds of things. I think in, in this case against this particular team, I think they're tougher without Chase because they're going to be more balanced. They're going to be a little less easy to, to predict and to plan for. Um, and we don't have a whole lot of tape of what they're doing uh, without Chase in there. So I, I wonder if it's not a, a, a more difficult assignment right now 
uh, than it even was in week one when you don't have any tape on, on what the team does currently with, with its personnel that's going to be out there in the field. Uh, it, it's a tall task for sure. I don't like their chances in this game at all, but um, it, it, at the very least, I, I think it might be tougher um, without the presence of Chase, as weird as that sounds, especially against a secondary that, that's really kind of struggled um, throughout this season. And who knows where Minka is going to be. He's practicing. Um, sounds like it's, it's pretty decent. Uh, there's a pretty decent chance that he'll be able to get out there, but we don't know. And we've never really had a good sense of what this secondary was going to do week to week. Yeah, it's been, that's interesting. I mean, this is a tough job where after an appendectomy, uh, you know, you, you come back and play football. I mean, it, this is a this this is a tough job. I mean, I think Ben Roethlisberger was out what two weeks after his appendectomy. It's like started. eleven days because yeah. they they played Monday. Um, no, they played the Thursday, and he had the surgery. I think the Wednesday, and then he was back for week two, which was on a Monday. So he had an extended time uh, to miss it, but. I, oddly enough, that that week two game was at Jacksonville. I was at that game, and, and that might have been Roethlisberger's worst regular season game of his yeah, career. He was awful. That's the game they got beat 9-0? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. And you might recall in week one, I forget who the Bengals played, but uh, Joe Burrow coming off an appendectomy, he didn't look real good either. So yes. Uh, yes, I don't know if the, if the incentive is great for the player to come back. Um, more than anything, with an appendectomy, or anything that is is going to interfere with your ability to to eat consistently, which it definitely will uh, after that kind of a surgery. Uh, it's your strength, it's your conditioning. You're not going to be the same athlete, and they're so highly trained and so uh, regimented in what they do. Variants to their day to day affect them in a big way, uh, based on what we watch them on the field looking normal. What they're doing is is otherworldly you know, as far as their performance, um, if they're not at that razor's edge of everything, you're going to notice it on the field. And I'm not sure, to, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not, I, I'm not, I really shouldn't try to, to act like I know something about this, but um, if, if he's not able to eat and maintain his conditioning and sounds like he's out there practicing, that's good. Um, you'll, you'll notice it on the field. And at the same time though, Mink had a knee injury um, against New England. You might remember that game. He was really bad. It was obvious that he was at like half speed. So uh, with KZ back now, I wonder if they wouldn't be a little bit more inclined to let Minka um, get a little bit closer to normal before putting him out there. But I say that, you know, just independently. Um, he's Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I don't think they're going to take his helmet from him. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But that's going to be a factor in this game. That's interesting you mentioned KZ. It'll be interesting to see if they're uh, they're able to unlock Big Nickel with the three safeties to see what that looks like. Because I know, and, and given KZ the way he played and the range that he showed in the game, it's exciting to see what that possibly could look like if they're able to unlock that in the game. Looking at some of the Bengal stats, looking at PFF stats, adjusted sack rate, in terms of adjusted sack rate, uh, the Bengals are 28th in the National Football League at 9.1%, meaning they're giving up sacks 9.1% of the time, uh, which is which is a high number. Um, and they've given up 32 sacks. The last time they played, uh, Miles Garrett went to work against them, and they really had some issues trying to protect. In the first game, the Steelers sacked him seven times and hit him another 11 times. So that's 18 quarterback hits 
which is a monstrous amount of hits for a quarterback in the game. I don't think that that problem necessarily goes away um, because watching the Bengals, it's been inconsistent. It's been up and down the entire year in terms of their pass protection, well illustrated by what you said in that you have a quarterback that wants to hold the ball and you have an offensive line that is shaky and that combination is not a good thing. Um, And so, you know, one issue that Mel brings up on a defensive side of the ball is Jack and Jack's health uh, and Spillane and pass coverage in general because of Spillane playing extra snaps. And what's the, what's the status on Jack's injury? I know Tomlin was a little coy about it, uh, but we didn't see him play much, but he did have a helmet last week. We'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll have to, to see his practice participation, which uh, we do the show on Wednesday for this very reason. They'll be back out on the field today. Uh, we'll, we'll get a better sense of it, but yeah, I mean, he played last week. Um, I, I don't, I haven't heard anything specifically where I'm sitting right now. I might've missed something, but, uh, as far as we know at this moment, I don't think there's a reason to think he's not going to, um, I, I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, Tomlin gave the, we'll let practice participation be our guide with him this week, which is really kind of to say, um, we'll see if he's able to go. And I'm not going to tell you right now, whether he can or not, we're going to wait till tomorrow. You'll see on the, the participation report, whether he did, um, it, it's it's tough because they really don't have a whole lot of depth there. Um, Robert Spillane, I, I, I'm pretty sure he has like an 18 game streak of if he is in on the first series against an opponent, he's going to get targeted at least twice, and they're usually completions. <laughs> that's not a coincidence. They know when he's on the field, that's the guy they're going to throw after. Um, we were talking about this. The the tight end, the dude I never even heard of last week, that was just taking him up and down the field the the drive that Dalton gave him the ball like four times all on Spillane and ended up hitting uh, the receiver for the touchdown um I, I think they took the leader they tied the game or something like that I forget the tight end's name whoever it was but Spillane was on him a lot and he got absolutely brutalized that entire game the more Spillane is out in passing situations the harder it's going to be uh, on this defense to to stop those chunk plays because really it's Spillane's so far behind, <laughs> hit the guy on the move, and he goes for another eight yards. Yeah, <laughs> Minka has to come in and make a tackle. So um, it, it's they're in a tough spot. We know that they're in a tough spot. They've been thin at inside linebacker for seems like seven years now. They're gonna have to figure out a way to to finally address these concerns and not draft a Buddy Johnson anymore and not you know try to 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 save money on Vince Williams. They're going to need to find guys that can play, and they're going to need to be legitimately three deep and not have it be a, a, a cost-related measure for once. Could you see them in this game, speaking to that point, before we get into our predictions, because I know you got to run. Could you see them drop Edmonds closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, be closer and be in the box with um, Devin Bush? You play KZ, you play Minka, and you put out you know, your best assortment of corners. You put out either three or four, doesn't matter at that point, and you play maybe three up front. Could you see Edmonds playing closer to the line of scrimmage as a box player in this game to kind of handle that issue uh, in, in trying to hide Spillane or get Spillane off the field, period? If, if it gets Spillane off the field, yes, absolutely. I could see that. If it's not an, if it's not an obvious absolute rundown, 
uh, it, it's, it's hard to have Spillane on the field. And teams are even eschewing the idea of, we'll run the ball in the obvious run situation, but Spillane's on the field. Let's just throw at him because, you know, same result. We'll be fine. Edmonds, with KZ back there, and we saw KZ playing up and back, and we've seen Edmonds do a lot of that. I think there was the one play, this might be my favorite play of the year so far. Um, I think it was Edmonds that jumped. He must have jumped 60 inches off the ground. 20 feet off the ground. Tipped the, tipped the ball that unfortunately was still going toward the receiver, but got a, a good uh, a good paw on it, and it came down, and then Casey knocked it away. It's like you don't see defenders <laughs> get a hand on two balls in one play. <laughs> that sounds really bad. Um, it, it's great defensive presence. I think Casey gives them a, a much more versatile athlete in their deep secondary, and that can allow Edmonds to play up front where he is a plus athlete. He can line up in the slot. We've seen him in the slot. Um, it's tough to, to isolate him in that slot, but it allows them to remain uh, in, in something of a strong package to go against the run while uh, giving you pretty deep coverage. And I, I, I would think that's why they signed Casey. I would think they want to, to employ that kind of a big nickel look. And Edmonds would be the guy uh, between the, the three safeties that we're talking about. Edmonds would be the guy to move up a little bit. You know, when I say move up, I think it, it's probably more challenge the slot more so than line up with with Bush and Jack. But it, who knows? I mean, we said at the beginning of the year, you remember this, the one thing this defense, when healthy, is going to be able to do is be versatile. They're going to be able to line up in a lot of different ways, and I think that's what they want to do. KZ is going to be able to give them that edge. I think he was the key to that, uh, and, and they haven't had him up until last week. And last week, they didn't have Minka. So it, we haven't seen the full effect of it yet. Maybe we will now. Let's jump to predictions. And now the Bengals are four and a half point favorites on the road this weekend in Acrisure. Are you surprised at that? Before you give me your prediction, are you surprised at that? And what would the line be, you think, if they had Chase? Um, similar. I, I don't know if Jamar Chase is worth one and a half points, but um, you get some for a rivalry game. Um, I think it drops from minus six. For Cincinnati, I, I would say initially, I think it maybe drops four and a half for the combination of home field advantage, familiarity, and the Steelers are back-to-back home games. Teams overall, and Pittsburgh in particular, plays very well in the second of consecutive road games or the third in, in three consecutive road games or home games, sorry. Uh, when they're comfortable, when they're used to what they're doing, when they get in more of a rhythm, it seems like they come out and play really well. Um, it's, it's a throwback Jersey game. Steelers tend to win when that comes in. The crowd is, is, you know, crazy about that. They'll play renegade 12 times. Who knows? They'll, they'll get into it. Um, yeah, that was good. That's good. That's a good impression. Lance, <clears throat> we should, uh, no, let's not, let's not take that. No, out no, 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 but I, it, it's it, the Steelers are, they, they haven't been necessarily a great home team, but you saw the impact of it last week. When they were playing well in the second half, that crowd was going. They were feeding off of it, and the Saints just wilted down the stretch. Bengals clearly are a much better team than the Saints are, and it's not going to be as easy. But I can see the Steelers playing very well in this game um, and and ended up losing by a touchdown because Cincinnati is that good. <laughs> um, and touch, I don't think a touchdown difference against Cincinnati. I mean, betting on that is is much more difficult than seeing it. But if the score is thirty to twenty three. Are you royally surprised? I'm probably not. I, I that seems about right. I'm not going to make that my prediction. I don't think. But uh, four and a half is is fair. I'd, I'd put that there for this game. 
Well, I'm going to stay with the positive vibes. The return of KZ, the KZ effect, not the Watt effect. Watt, KZ, the lights are on, big game, King George, color rush jerseys, late in the afternoon with the lights on. I'm picking the Steelers to win this game 23-20. Yes, I am. I'm picking the Steelers to win this game 23-20. I think they still get after Burrow. I don't think they can protect Burrow. I think with Watt and and, and Cam Hayward had a fantastic game last week. Um, I I think they get after your alumnus. And uh, I think the Steelers win this game 23-20 and indeed go on that three-game run next week and beat the Indianapolis Fridays as well. But we'll break that down as we get closer (laughs) to that game. And I think they will beat the Friday Colts next week as well. So I'm thinking 23-20 Steelers. Uh, That's ballsy. That's ballsy. Um, I I, I can't do it. I'm feeling like (laughs) – I just, I, I, the Bengals are a good team. I, I, in the week one win was such a complete fluke. <laughs> if anything, it, it's kind of a penance for two dominating Bengals wins last year, which were probably more flukish um, in, in nature in a lot of ways. I, I'm feeling like I would say like 26 19, but I just don't have faith in the Steelers kicking game. Um, and I have no reason to think that. I'm going to say Bengals. 26 Steelers 17. You think Matt Wrong is not going to get it right? Um, it, it, well, he didn't exactly inspire me to feel that way last week. It wasn't even if, if we, we talked about special teams for a bit on the show last week, mechanically, right? Oh my god, it, it honestly looked like they pulled a guy out of the crowd. I mean, he, he <laughs> was not even close to what an NFL kicker needs, he was awful, flat awful. Like to the point, like you sign this guy, you're not talking about it. Is is there something wrong with him? What? How is he out here right now? He just, he didn't look right at all, and I, I'm not sure what the deal is. So uh, they signed him back. Maybe it was something like that. But Heinz Field's not an easy place to kick. The weather wasn't great that day. The field's getting going to get in in worse conditions. They tend to want to go with the kickers that have kicked there before. That have you know not a ton of people outside of Boswell have a lot of and and uh, Justin Tucker have a lot of success at Heinz Field. So your expectations can't be great. But his approach, uh, his follow through, everything looked off and nothing looked right. So you you hope he can overcome that this week. But I, I can't bet on it. Not after. I mean, really, he should have missed all three of those kicks. Um, they were low. He he caught the middle of the ball, which is something like amateurs do. It, it wasn't a professional level job from him. The the one that he made, I think it got tipped and still went through. But all three of those were blockable kicks, and that's in it, one of them was on the snap. But if it's not on the snap, that's absolutely on the kicker. You've got to get that up, and that that means you're striking the ball at, at a certain point to miss that badly. Think of it like this: you, you don't see a professional golfer. Uh, step up and just chunk his drive three times in a row like tin cup style you 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 don't see that because they have that skill they have that ability some are a lot better than others of course but at the basic level they're going to strike the ball more or less correctly maybe not ideally every single time like the best will but for a kicker it's it's no different it's muscle memory it's repetition when you're that far off something is wrong and it, it surprised me that they were going to bring him back um 
I don't know. I, I was joking with somebody uh, on, on social media yesterday for the Steelers to get to, to 35 points, Wright would have to hit three field goals. And I don't see this. I don't see him, excuse me, 30 points. He would have to hit three field goals. And I don't see that happening. In fact, I would say them scoring five touchdowns and him missing five extra points seems more reasonable than him hitting three field goals right now. And this is the worst offense in the league. So it, it's, let's, let's not even mention 30 points. They'd have to run 125 plays in a game. They, to, they'd have to get two, probably three takeaways that put them inside the 20 and they actually have to, to convert on those. What, what, what was your, what was your, what was your final score? You said 19, 20, I said 26, 17 Bengals. 26-17 Bengals. So I'm picking the Steelers 23-20. Neil's got them 26-17. Mel had them 24-21. We got a couple of other predictions, 24-21. I think the Steelers get it done this week and go on a mini run. So I'm going to answer the question, yes, the Steelers are going to go on a run. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. I want to thank you guys for hopping onto the program. Be safe. I know it's getting cold all over the country. Be safe. Make sure you start eating turkey early. Um, so you wake up. By the time you wake up, you can check out the next show. But with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude the program. As always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.